Hello. Welcome to another episode of Crime Spree. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How's your week been? Uh, I'm good. It's Monday. It's been a long week. My boss is out of town right now, so I'm like in charge and I like don't want to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just chilling. I'm going to work out after this. Oh, that's nice. I just got back from work out. I am super into spin classes lately. It's like my See, new favorite. I want to like spin, but I can't. I like have done them, but I, I don't know how to ride a bike. So like, maybe like literally you can't ride a bike. I literally don't know how to ride a bike. What did you do with like elementary and middle school? Like how'd you go see your I friends every, and stuff? Uh, well, I, I didn't live in like a walking town. So like my mom would drive me everywhere. Like you I didn't, didn't have, live like. Did you live in like a neighborhood? No. Oh. I lived off like a dirt road. Oh. So my mom would like drive us everywhere anyway. But no, one year for <laughs> one year for Christmas when I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe like eight, ten. One year my mom had bought all of us bikes for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the house that we lived in at the time was on top of a hill. Is that Peaches? Yes, yeah, she got yeah. her bark box in today. So she's playing with all her new toys. Oh, sweet baby. But the house that we lived in was on top of a hill, and the the driveway was like a winding driveway. Mm-hmm. And the one and only time I like tried to ride my bike, I went down the driveway too fast, and I like fell. Yeah. And I I like still have scars on my elbows from it because I like really scraped the fuck out of my like knees and elbows. Yeah. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. And I just never learned how to ride a bike because of that. That kind of happened to me because we sat like at the bottom of a hill and like, I just want to be super clear that it was not like a hill. Like you wouldn't have noticed it like in a car, but when you're like six years old and you're riding your bike, like it was a hill that like you didn't have to pedal on it because your bike would just go because it was downhill. So yeah. it was always a ton of fun. And my driveway was at the bottom of it and there was a little bump at the end of our driveway and so I always had to like sort of ease on the brakes a little bit right before I went in but then one time I didn't and so I hit the bump like full force and I like flew Ah. over the handlebars and I like smacked my chin and my elbow like I remember my mom like looking in my mouth to make sure I still had like all my teeth because I like hit it so hard and she like let me come inside my parents were divorced but I guess she was there watching us and So she like took us inside or she took me inside and she like, you know, did like the hydrogen peroxide and did all that stuff. And she let me go upstairs and lay in my dad's bed, which was like, he had, he was the only room in the house that had a TV in his room. So this was like a big deal. So she let me like lay in dad's bed and like watch cartoons. And it was like, I got to be like all babied. And then my dad came home from work and he came upstairs and he like took the covers off and was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I fell off my bike thinking I was going to get this like sympathy trip. And he was like, get your ass up and walk around the block twice. And he made me like walk around twice by myself. And I just kept stopping to cry. And I was like, my dad is I so mean. Stop. This is the worst so thing. <laughs> but that was that. That's the end of the day. He was like, you're not going to sit up here and cry about it. Like, go walk it off. Oh, I was like, thanks, Dad. So Thought I wasn't concussed or didn't have a broken leg or anything. Oh my god! But I lived, so. Well, you're braver than me. I, I literally was like, "Fuck this! I'm never doing this again." I think I tried one more. I did. I tried one more time when I was like 17. <laughs> my friend was tried to. This is like your last hurrah of high school. <laughs> literally, my friend lived in a neighborhood. 
And she had like a cul-de-sac in her neighborhood. And she was like, you have to learn. My friend Ray. Hi, Ray, if you're listening. She's like, you have to learn. So we took her brother's bike. And we were. I was like, I'm not fucking using training wheels. Like, I'm 17 years old. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like in the cul-de-sac. And she was holding onto the back of the bike. And I was like trying to balance. And then all of a sudden, this like group of like young preteen boys came. And like... <laughs> They were like riding in circles around me and it made me fall and I scraped my arms again and I was like, no, so I just never learned. That's so sad. Yeah, it's okay. I remember it took me a while to... I will not be the one to teach them. Well, a stationary bike is much easier because all you do is pedal. Like you don't have to balance on it or anything. it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. I will say. I don't think I sit right on it. I like... I think I push my seat too forward. I basically sit, like, on the butt of the seat. I feel like I bruise my freaking pelvis every time I, like, ride. I will say I'm pretty, sh- like, okay, so I went to my first spin class, and then I went to the next one, like, two days later, and as soon as I sat down, I texted Rob, and I was like, I may be too sore for this. And he was like, nah, you got it. And <laughs> made me, like, push through. <laughs> What's with the men in my life being so mean to me? Um, do you pay for it or is it like part of your gym membership? It's part of my, so my gym is like $40 a month and then the classes are free if you're a member. So okay. I go to spin three times a week. I mean, I try to, that's those, the classes that are available. I think yeah. I missed one last week. Um, and then Rob likes to go to the gym like five days a week. So if he goes, I'll All just right, go Rob. with him and like <laughs> walk. Okay. Like I, I don't really I've do any trying of the to others. do. I've been trying to do yoga more often because that is something I can't do. Why? Oh, I love it. It's so embarrassing to me because I'm not like flexible. I'm not either at all. And I don't have any balance. And then I watch myself in the mirror and I have all these like skinny bitches in Lululemon that are just (laughs) balancing perfectly easy. And I'm in like bike shorts and a college t-shirt with every ounce of cellulite on my body just glaring for the world to see it like falling over over and over and even if it's not like I used to love hot yoga but this last one I went to was just a regular yoga class and we did so many flows that I got lightheaded really just all the up you know it's that's so funny that you say all that because yoga is the one class that I don't feel self-conscious in oh good for you I like because normally when I take like other workout classes, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so slow, or I'm not like using the heavy weights or whatever. But yoga is the one class that like I'm like, okay, I'm just here to like focus. Yeah, I think the thing the thing that set me free in group classes is like you don't have to keep up. Like if yes. I'm in spin class and he's like, you need to push your RPMs to like 120 or whatever, I'm like, no, I don't. I can just go yeah. as fast as I can. Or, like, yeah. up your resistance to 10. It's like, I'm good at 8. Like, I'm fine. This is my max. And I'm going right. to just chill here. Every I'll, I try to go to boxing once a week, like, when I can afford it because it's kind of expensive. But every time I go, it's, like, such a small class that the instructor, like, calls you out by name. Oh, my God. I would die. I would never I go. hate that. Like, I, I love go going to boxing so much. But, like, he does it to every person in there. So he'll be like come on, Cheryl, like, get those knees up higher. Or, like, come on, Hannah, like, follow the combo. Like, he does it to every person, so it's not like he's, like, solely singling you out, but he kind of is at the same time, and it pisses me the fuck oh, off. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> that, I hate. I like the class, but I fucking hate that I shit. could never like, do, don't like... talk to me. I couldn't do, like, private training. 
or personal training or whatever it is like a yeah. one-on-one coach no I think I could I I paid for one a couple years ago because I didn't know anything about like weightlifting and I I was like too intimidated to like just go in and like mm-hmm. use the machines you know that's fair so I paid this girl I found this girl on Instagram I paid her for like six weeks to come with me to the gym three times a week and show mm-hmm. me how to like use all the equipment and like proper form and stuff. That's awesome. And honestly, like it was expensive, but it was worth every penny yeah. to me because now I don't get like stressed out like going to the gym because I know how to use everything. Yeah, that's really cool. My gym actually, um, when you join, you get one of those free, you get a body assessment mm-hmm. where they ask you about your goals and stuff and what it is you want to work on and why. And then they show you how to use all the equipment. And I didn't want that personal one-on-one attention, so I just skipped it. <laughs> I was just I like, can I reschedule it? it? And, and they said, did. yeah, and I just didn't do. <laughs> but now I don't know where anything is. Because, like, my gym offers, like, free tanning. Like, regular – or it's not free. It's, like, included in your membership. But like there's, spray like, tans? spray tans and a tanning bed. And there's, like, a water massage thing, which I've actually used it before. And it's not that great. But, I mean, it's there. Um, and I don't know where any of it is or how to set it up or access it or anything because I what never took the tour. What <laughs> do you go to? This is like luxury. Crunch Fitness. Really? Yeah. They're, I, I mean, New they're York definitely way club. more expensive like, in New York, but. I, my, I go to New York Sports Club and like the classes are all free and I have like the passport membership so I can use any of them. Mm-hmm. And I pay like. I think like 60 or 70 bucks. I don't know. It goes to my credit card, but I pay like 60 or 70 bucks because I don't look at like the bill. I just have like all my auto pay stuff on mm-hmm. like one credit card. Yeah. But yeah, I only pay like 70 bucks and I thought that was a good deal, but damn, crunch sounds good too. That's what, um, honestly, when I had class pass, when I lived in New York, I would just take the crunch classes or I would schedule like the, cr- cause you can do like free gym time at Crunch in New York. And so it would be like, I don't know, whatever it was, like three credits to go like use the gym for an hour or something. So yeah. I would just do that. And at one point I was like, I should just get a Crunch membership instead of paying for Class Pass, but I never did. Is it? Yeah, isn't Class Pass expensive? I've never yet done it. It depends on the tiers, but in New York it was worth it because everything was on Class Pass. But I had the trial, I like reopened it in Raleigh for the trial. And it was like nothing was on class pass. And it was nothing uh-huh. near me. Like I would have to drive 10, 15 minutes to get to everything. And I was just, I know that I won't do that. That's why I left Orange Theory because it was like a 20 minute drive to get to. And even though I love the classes and I think it's really worth the money, I didn't want to spend, because then you're spending like two hours going to the gym, attending the gym, you know, that's like a lot of time. Yeah. Day. Yeah. I get that too. I like... I wish I could get up early and go before work, but I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. I'd have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning workout person ever. And I hate it because, and here's why, because I hate working out and then I have to come home, take a shower, then get ready for the day. And I don't like that. I like to go to the gym, come home, take my shower and then put on my jammies and then I'm in for the night. My jammies. My jammies. <laughs> I love it. I got this little pajama set from Old Navy and I love it. Oh, it's cute. Thanks. Also, guess what my favorite color is right now? (laughs) A nice sage green. Yeah, my walls, my pajamas, and my Stanley cup all match. You kind of, you would look good with like the plants in my room if you you stood next to my face. Oh, that's such a good compliment. Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, so when I was in Florida a few weeks ago, I found this book called Your Guide to Not Getting Murdered in the Quaint English Village. Ooh. It's super cute, and I'm going to read you a quick little passage. It describes all the different parts of a village. Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to read you like one quick little passage. All villages are an ideal of stone cottages, cheery whitewashed storefronts, winding streets, and artfully overgrown gardens. Of course, in a murder village, those whitewashed buildings and stone structures are a mouthful of smiling teeth that consume the unwise and the unlucky, whose chewed remains are pressed through through those streets that wind and twist through the town like a gastrointestinal tract. The garden (laughs) absorbs what remains. Forewarned is forearmed. Ooh. Wait, where did you get this? It's just at like a little bookstore in downtown Fernandina Beach, Florida. Mm, It's really cute. But it has like... um, Okay, the village church. A village has to have a church. Those are the rules. For hundreds of years, the village church has been the center of village life and death, with emphasis on the latter. It is the biggest, grandest, highest building around. It has fonts to drown in, vaults to be sealed in, a bell tower to fall from, and an altar to be sacrificed on. The vicar will find your body if you venture here. (laughs) And it just goes through and, like, lists all these places, like the police station or statuary or historical reenactments and games of cricket and all sorts of stuff cricket (laughs) i love it the oldest resident of the village (laughs) that's very true they will find your body in a game of cricket that is true i would love it um my news of the week is i got jury duty oh that's so exciting i've have you ever done jury duty no, this is my first time. I got summoned for jury duty once, but it was right after I moved to New York, and I got summoned in Arizona, and I was like, I don't live there anymore. Right. Um, so this is my first official jury duty. I have been wanting to get on jury duty for so long, I can't even tell you. Okay, so I've been summoned twice, and the first time was like right after I turned 18, and I was living in my hometown. And I got it, and, okay, so I used to work at this place called Kirkland's, which is sort of like a, if you don't know what it is, it's like a knockoff Pier 1. It's like a Pier 1 for, like, broke people, I guess. Um, And I used to unload truck there every Thursdays, and so I had to be there at, like, 5 a.m. to unload truck so that they could set up the store when it opened by 10 or whatever. And so I got jury duty on my first day of work, (laughs) and it was like, of course I did. And I was like, I can't call my boss and be like, I can't show up to my first day work. So I went in at 5 a.m. And then I was like, hey, I have jury duty today. And like, I brought the paperwork and everything. And she was like, okay. And it was one of those things, you know how you have to like call to find out if you're actually going in that day for jury duty. So I think that's why. So then I worked for an hour, went home, got dressed for jury duty, and then went to the courthouse. And then while we were sitting in that room, like, waiting, the judge himself came out and was like, so, you were supposed to go to trial today, and when the guy talked to the lawyer, his lawyer informed him that if he had a trial, there was a very good chance he was going to be found guilty, and he should just take the plea bargain, which was, he was advised prior to this, but today he decided to take the advice, so you can all go home. So then I left. Uh, Do you know what the trial was for? No, I can't, I think it was, like, a robbery, but I can't remember, but he just decided to plead guilty. And then I, I got hope it. I get put on a grand jury. Um, okay, I have a story about that too. Um, but my second jury summons was when I was living in New York and I still had my 
I knew I was leaving New York, so I didn't want to change my address. Yeah. And so when I got the jury duty, somebody was like, just tell them that you have a vacation plan and they'll bump you out like a year or two. So that's what I did. And then they rescheduled me for a month later. But then COVID <laughs> happened and they canceled it. So then I didn't have to go. You didn't even, you, I thought they made everybody do like, uh, what the hell is the word? Virtual jury duty. No, they just canceled it altogether because they literally like rescheduled it for March. Wow. And okay. then COVID hit in March. So I, yeah, yeah, I got yeah. out of it. But my coworker just got on a grand jury. And so she had to go in every Monday for like six months. What? But she got like paid to do it, which is if you have a salary job, that sounds amazing. Obviously, if you get paid hourly, then that's miserable and should yeah. be taken into consideration. But I get paid job. for jury duty, though. I like, got paid we like, have, like $25. No, no, no. Like, obviously, you get paid for jury duty, but like my company, like, it doesn't come out of like our sick day or anything. Like, we get like yeah. a paid day. I don't think for... they can penalize you for it. If you're, like, an hourly worker, I don't think they have to pay you, but I don't think, like, I think your company has to let you, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe they have to let you go. You can't be fired for it, but they don't have to pay you. But, yeah, my company pays. Yeah. But it, like, it doesn't come out of your, like, PTO or anything, because I think some companies are like, okay, we'll just use, like, your sick days or whatever. That's utterly ridiculous. I don't know, because this is the first, this is my first, like, corporate, corporate job, because my last job like it was only like six of us so if we were needed a day off we'd just be like hey i'm not gonna be here and they'd be like okay cool (laughs) that must be nice but now i'm a slave to the man my boss apparently has eight weeks pto and i'm like Uh, what do i have to do she has eight weeks pto and then you can the max you can roll over is two weeks and she always rolls it over so this year she has 10 and she's like i'm gonna take it i'm like what do i have to do to get eight weeks pto how Y'all would never it? see me. Eight weeks PTO. Y'all might as well just hire a second person for this days. job. But I'm using all my days in like three weeks. So. My old job, we had, I had 10 PTO days. You could only roll over three and you had to use those three in the first quarter. So that's annoying. My birthday is April 4th. And so I asked the last year I was there because I had like two rollover days if I could extend them one week so i could have a birthday weekend and yeah. i was told no because it was company policy that's i would have quit right then and there there's a reason i don't work there anymore it pissed me off so much i'd have been mad too i was like no and it was only like four days that they had to extend it and they were like no it's company policy they were i mean supposedly it was like something through hr the platform or whatever to get our approval they wouldn't let you use rollover days but i don't know it still made me mad yeah that's annoying they should have just given it to you. It's fucking a week. Calm down. Yeah. But I will say my boss, when I first started at that job, I took, you weren't allowed to take like vacation days within 90 days. And I had already had a vacation scheduled. So they let me take it. And mm-hmm. she actually, I was technically supposed to borrow from the next year and she didn't take it out. She just let me go. <laughs> so that was pretty solid of her. All right. I will say. It balances Ugh. out. Well, you want to talk about something else annoying? You, did it make you mad enough to murder? <laughs> no, it didn't make me mad enough to murder. I thought about it, but I didn't go through. And that is the difference between good and bad people, kids. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, shall we talk about murders? We absolutely should. Mine actually isn't really about murders. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, yours doesn't necessarily qualify. Although, there's like there's murderous some. themes. And there's certainly some dastardly deeds. Yes. Our theme this week is uh, haunted hotels. Yes. Very am, am I going first? I think you are going first, but hold on. Let me get my... Pour up. I'm still sober. Good for you. I have not drank in, I think, four weeks, three or four weeks. Mm. Good for you. I'm drinking a tangy lemon lime Topo Chico hard seltzer. I will be going ham on vacation because I did pay for an unlimited beverage package. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) My sister-in-law told me when she got married, they did like a Caribbean cruise or something for their honeymoon and it they like it was like unlimited food and drinks and or it's like an all-inclusive package but like she didn't really drink like she had she was very young when she got married and she just she didn't really drink ever and she didn't really want it and her husband was like you were ordering a margarita whether you like it or not and you were going to drink it like you have to (laughs) like we've already paid for it (laughs) ours is all-inclusive to oh my god this is gonna drive me i'm gonna apologize for squeaking in advance her uh bark box theme this month was italy <gasps> so, so she got a squeaky meatball and the leaning tower of pisa <laughs> i love that that makes me so um, go away anyway uh yeah so like ours it's like the best invention ever the bark box like it's i just like want to 20... send myself a little gift box every month it's 25 bucks a month for two toys two bags of treats and a like chew stick and Ooh. she's obsessed with it. Like, if she, if she sees the box, like, when I bring it up from, like, the apartment lobby, over. she knows that it's, like, for her. Aww. Like, she gets so excited. Because it's on the box. It says, like, Bark Box. I yeah. swear to God, she can read English. It's crazy. I wonder if um they do something like that for cats. They probably do. I You should look on Bark Box to see if they have, like, a cat version of it. Yeah. Because I know they have different tiers for, like, like I pay for, like, the super chewer one for her with, like, the indestructible Yeah, because she'll, toys. like, rip it up otherwise. She destroys them anyway, but whatever. But they do them. They have, like, all kinds of, like, tiers and stuff. And you can, like, add in stuff. Like, for her birthday, they sent her her birthday bandana that said, like, birthday pup. It was so cute. My <laughs> is so um, picky. Like, I bring her home treats all the time, and she won't like them. Like, she'll sniff them, and, like, she doesn't eat them. Oh, and the treats are always themed. <gasps> That's so cute. like like one time she got I think the last box or the box before that was Jurassic Park themed. Oh. So the treats were called like Raptor scraps and stuff like that. And like this one, since it's like Italian theme, it's like meatball marinara treats and like stuff like that. That's it's cute. cute. She's obsessed. They're her favorite. Oh, the last one was pool party. So she got like a flamingo and a ray of sunshine ball. Yeah. And the treats were like frozen margarita and stuff like that. Oh, I love that. It's cute. I highly, if you have a dog, BarkBox sponsor us because I'm obsessed. I'll never stop paying for it for her. Sponsor us and get us a cat version. I think they have a cat version. You should definitely look it up. I'm like kind of looking it up right now, but I'll let you know. (laughs) All right, so I did the Cecil Hotel. Ooh. So, so I... I'm going to, like, pause you real quick just before you get in the story, but is there any way you can maybe take that away from her? Because that's going to drive I'm me trying. crazy. I'm so I'm sorry, trying. Peaches. I love you. 
Sorry, you can have your meatball back later. I go love play. you, Peaches. She has to be right next to me when she's doing it. She's she can't like, just go lay elsewhere. Oh, fuck. She grabbed again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me see. I will not be silenced. Okay. You can have those back in a little bit. Sorry. Okay. I'm just... No, she's fine. She'll be all right. She's looking at me like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I did the Cecil Hotel. Yay. So I got the majority of this information. There was a documentary on Netflix that they just recently did mm-hmm. called... Um, oh, shit. I wrote it down. Sorry. I have to scroll all the way to the bottom. Um, it was called The Vanishing... What the hell? The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel crime scene, the Elisa Lamb story. Okay. Um, I watched the whole thing like... I don't know, maybe like two months ago. And I think it's like three episodes or like an hour long. It might be four episodes. Um, but basically it goes, the first episode is like the backstory of the Cecil Hotel. And then mm-hmm. it goes into what happened to Elisa Lamb, which is what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Um, and then the last episode is like theories on what happened to her. Ooh, okay. Are we going to get into so, some theories? Yes. Okay. So first, a little background on the Cecil Hotel. So, the Cecil Hotel uh, was opened in 1924 as a budget hotel. Um, It's right next to Skid Row. I think it's actually owned by, like, Skid Row management. And it's not in, like, a safe Mm -hmm. area. It's a budget hotel. So, like, people who... It's kind of like a hostel, but, like, not really. I don't know what the difference between, like, a hotel and a hostel is because... In Elisa Lamb's story, like, she at first gets placed in a room with a couple other girls, which to me is, like, what a hostel is. Right. Maybe it like has, when like... I, when I think about a hotel, it's, like, you have your room. So, when I... There's a hostel in Charleston that you... They have, like, the bunk rooms, but then they also have private rooms that you can rent. And it's not, like, a nice... I mean, it's perfectly fine, but it's, like, a full-size bed and a lamp. And like that's okay. it. Like it's it doesn't have. And it's like, not like it's yeah. And like so a, maybe the Cecil is sort of like, or maybe it's like a boutique hotel where it's like not great, but it's like nicer well, than the Best I, Western. I think I think that's kind of what happened because they opened it as and it there's like a sign outside that says Hotel Cecil and the sign says low monthly weekly rates 700 rooms um so i think it was kind of and it's so close to skid row that i think it was kind of like a safe place that like when people got money they could stay there for the night um and i think it was kind of used for like sex work drug activity stuff like that like it it it's like a little bit higher than a motel not quite a hostel but like a hotel i guess Mm -hmm. um so the Cecil Hotel instantly, because of its location, obviously becomes a big, a big location for like sex work, drug use, mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of violence comes along with all that. Mm-hmm. So there's been a couple suicides in the hotel. Um, the first one, Perry Orman Cook, fifty two. He was fifty two years old. He shot himself in the head in his hotel room after mm-hmm. a fight with his wife who threatened to leave him. Mm. Uh, The next death a few years later was a guest named W.K. Norton, who took a cyanide capsule. They still Um, make those? 
this that was in 1931 so like lol so throughout the 40s and 50s like a bunch of suicides like this keep happening yeah um people who are long-term residents at the cecil actually refer to it as the suicide hotel um and there's a website called rooms book which i did not look it up because i'm very scared of ghosts um it basically tracks all the deaths that occur at the hotel. So apart from all the suicides are happening there, there's also a lot of drug violence, drug-based violence at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a rumor that Elizabeth Short, who was the da- who was the Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. was stayed at the hotel for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've heard that well. one before. So as well as uh a couple serial killers have stayed there so richard ramirez who was the night stalker Mm -hmm. stayed there in the 80s uh because he kind of like was in and out of skid row Mm -hmm. um he stayed there for a few weeks i think he killed a couple people near it not at the cecil hotel though so hold on can i ask a quick question you mentioned skid row but you said something about like the management of skid row and I was under the impression that Skid Row was like. So okay, so Skid. I don't. I don't want to say. It's like a word that's not offensive. (laughs) It's like a tent city for like homeless people. Okay, that's what I thought. So Skid Row Housing Trust is basically the people who are in charge of like that block, and they bought the hotel kind of to provide affordable living accommodations for low-income, impoverished people. Oh. But because it was such in, like, such a seedy area, like, nobody really wanted to stay there. And it, like, obviously attracted a lot of um, not the best people. I'm not saying the people right. who, like, do drugs or sex work are bad, but, like, it's clearly not safe to, like, stay there with your family if there's, like, a heroin dealer in the hallway. Like, right. Okay, so, that's what I kind of thought, but I didn't. I didn't realize that there was like, in a style. I just thought it's where it happened. I didn't realize that there were people. I think it's a mix of both. Dedicated to taking care of it. I don't think it gets taken care of. Oh, okay. I think it's just kind of like people sold this for money, and this is just how it was. Okay, fair enough. Like, like a, like a front almost kind of. Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, so apart from Richard Ramirez, there was an Austrian serial killer who was a kind of copycat serial killer named Jack Unterweger. He also killed three sex workers while he was staying there. Um, but he later gets convicted in Austria, which actually I was listening to that episode on my favorite murder about him today. Oh, lovely. Um, it's pretty barbaric (laughs) if you want to listen to it's like one of their earlier episodes because i'm going through the whole thing again oh okay so the main story that i wanted to talk about regarding the CISO hotel is elisa lamb yeah it is so in 2013 or i'm sorry 2011 the CISO hotel rebrands itself as the stay on main but the sign outside that I was telling you about that mm-hmm. says Hotel Cecil is still there. Okay. So Stay on Main is kind of catering towards like international travelers who are looking for cheap accommodations who don't know that that's a scary area. Right. Like it's like if you go to Brooklyn or if you go to um, New York and you stay in like 
South Brooklyn because you find like a cheap Airbnb, but you don't yeah. actually know that like that's not the safest area. That's like my biggest fear of traveling. <laughs> oh my God. Like I can't, I like, that's another reason why I don't really want to stay in hostels anymore. Cause like yeah. that scares me. <laughs> I low key am like terrified to stay in a country that speaks a different language. Like, cause I only speak English. Like I'm scared to stay in a country that speaks a different language because I'm, like, really gullible. Like, I would definitely get taken advantage of because I'm yeah. super gullible and too scared to, um, like, call people out on their shit. I will say when I stayed in – I stayed in two hostels uh, when I was, went to Europe. Mm-hmm. And they were both in Italy. And the first one I stayed in was in Rome. And it was relatively safe because I feel like we were in a really populated area. Yeah. But – it was like six girls to a room, which Ooh. like made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Luckily, we were all like the same age range, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And they had like lockers and stuff like that that you could like lock your stuff up mm-hmm. in. But still, yes. But the the hostel that I stayed in when I was in Positano was like there wasn't like a door on the room like because this the little town that we stayed in was like the smallest town ever like right on the beach so it was just kind of like a place for you to crash which actually i felt safer in even though it wasn't like secure you know what i mean but i just wouldn't do it again because like i don't i don't want to sleep in a room with strangers that's fair enough you know, like, it's not that I need to stay at, like, the Ritz-Carlton, like, although that'd be fucking nice, yeah. but I just don't want to stay with people I don't know. Although we did make a friend on that trip. Oh, that's sweet. Um, okay, so the stay on Maine, like, is catered towards those types of people, which actually is how Elisa Lamb found this hotel. She was a 21-year-old um, Canadian student who was traveling And she had started, I think, at the bottom of California, and she was working her way up. She was going to go to, like, Seattle, Portland, all those places. That's, like, my Um, dream vacation. It's actually pretty cool if you drive up, like, the PCH. I've always wanted to do it. Always. That's, like, my goal. Maybe one year I'll take, like, a summer. Yeah, I was like, you got to do it in the summer. Don't go when it's cold. (laughs) I want to become a professor just so I can have summers off. (laughs) (laughs) So... Elisa Lamb was 21. Uh, she had been staying at the Cecil Hotel for a couple days. And previous to this, she had started a, a travel blog called Nouvelle Nouveau, um, basically where she talked about her struggles with bipolar disorder, depression. Mm. Um, she kept her mental illnesses private from her family. And as far as they know, she had no su- suicidal ideations. Um they thought that she was, like, just a little blue. I don't think they knew, like, the extent. They didn't even know she was so, bipolar? They knew she was bipolar, but they thought, like, she was taking her medication oh, and, like, okay. it was fine. And the thing is, is if you're on medication for a mental illness, you can't stop taking that medication once you feel better, which yeah. I we will go into that later. But Just what a lot of people like to do. Yes. it's a, You don't stop taking it once you feel better. So... She was the daughter of Hong Kong immigrants. She was studying at the University of British Columbia um, when she decided to take this trip. So the day before she goes missing, so January 31st, she is actually at this place called The Last Bookstore, which is a quick 
walk from the CISO hotel and she was talking to the manager who said that she was very outgoing, very lively. Um, she was buying gifts to take home to her family and worry. She was talking to the manager about how she was worried they might be too heavy for her to carry around Mm -hmm. and to get back home. The next day on February 1st, 2013, she's scheduled to check out of the hotel and she doesn't. So her parents who she had been in contact with pretty regularly this whole time, um, immediately called LAPD. They search her hotel room to the extent that they could They couldn't search every room in the hotel, obviously, because they didn't have probable cause, quote unquote, which Mm -hmm. I don't really know how that works in terms of like a hotel because there's so many different places. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good, I guess, because she, I don't know. Because it's not like a house where it's like, this is just the one area. Yeah. And like a house is private property, isn't it? And like a hotel is more public than that. Yeah. So I don't know how that really works. Anyway, they only, we need a lawyer on this. That's what we should do. Like a guest, you know, I have a couple of lawyer friends. I could ask them to come on. here. I love the idea of that. But in reality, I'd be on here. They would come on and I'd be like, that is the best information. Thank you so much for telling me. And then I would immediately (laughs) forget all of it. Like, I'd be like, what is it they said about this? I don't remember. Let's get them back. Like that. We should write like question and answers. I know. And like, like put a bulletin, paste it next to our recording equipment. Um, so after about a week, they hadn't really found anything. They put up flyers with her image on the neighborhood and her parents actually come to LA to start helping look for her. They're obviously very worried. So Mm -hmm. February 13th, another week. So she's been missing for two weeks at this point. Another week goes by with no sign and the LAPD released this video of the last known sighting of her, which is a video surveillance camera of the elevators in the CISO hotel. I don't know if you've seen this video. It's the creepiest fucking thing oh, yeah. ever. It's like two and a half minutes long of, excuse me. That of we her, have. Yes. Cause apparently this video has been tampered with. Yeah. So it's like two and a half minutes of her in this elevator and she's like pressing all these buttons and then she's, jumping in and jumping out and she puts her back up against the wall and she kind of like peeks out. It's like her doing all these like crazy erratic movements. And so there's a couple theories that she's being like chased mm-hmm. in this elevator and she's like trying to hide from somebody. But then there's another theory that she's like flirting with somebody because of her like body language. Mm-hmm. But in the video, she's wearing clothes that are not hers. Oh, So, yeah, she's wearing, like, it looks like she's wearing a long skirt, but she's actually wearing board shorts, like men's Hmm. board shorts. And, uh, it gets, this video gets 3 million views within the first 10 days that it's on and people start, like, analyzing it and being like, why is she pressing this button? Like, this movement means this, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people think, also think that she is probably under the influence of, um, drugs right but spoiler alert she they do a toxicology report she is not she doesn't have anything in her system she doesn't even have like her meds in her system right yes yes so like the drugs that are supposed to be there are not there yes so then people who are analyzing the video realize that there's nearly a minute of footage missing from this video and i was like thinking about this and if the police department wanted 
like if they were withholding that minute of the video for some reason, like if mm-hmm. there's somebody in the video that they don't want like the public to know, why would they make the video seem so seamless? Yeah. Like you can't, unless you're like seriously analyzing this video, like you can't really point out the part where it's like, oh, this is like the skip. Yeah. I don't catch it ever. I can't, I can't catch it either. And I've seen this video a couple times. Yeah. So like you have to really, really be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So they released that video on February 13th, February 19th. Hotel guests begin complaining about low water pressure and weird colored water coming out of taps with an unusual taste. Eek. So a hotel maintenance worker then goes up to the cistern that's on the roof and they find Elisa Lamb's body in one of the tanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's lying face up completely naked, but all her clothes and stuff are floating around with her in the tank. Mm-hmm. So she has been in there basically since the day she went missing. She's pretty decomposed and bloated. How, how, um, what's the time jump? So she went missing February 1st. This is now February 19th. Holy cow. That's a, yeah. Wow. I did not realize so she, it was that long. I thought it was like five I days. Just, if you, I, this made me like never want to drink tap water again. Yeah. <laughs> like, so they do a couple toxicology tests, um, and they test her belongings and stuff. They find nothing in her system except ibuprofen. Hmm. Um, they have no evidence of physical trauma or sexual assault. Actually, they do a rape kit, but they can't test it because she's been in the water for so long that like all the evidence, if there was any, yeah. is gone. Um, so they think. So there's a couple theories. So. The first problem is that because this hotel is not, like, the most up to code, there's not really any alarms on any of the doors. So they don't they think that she just kind of wandered up there by herself or mm-hmm. somebody led her up there. Because it's not like, you know when you go somewhere and you accidentally open an emergency exit door and it's, like, the loudest alarm you've ever heard yeah. in your life. Like, it's obnoxious. There's no, like, it says there's an alarm, but there's not actually an alarm on those doors. Okay. So they also think that, like, the door had probably been propped open because a lot of people would go up there to like smoke instead oh, of going sure. downstairs to like the front of the hotel. Um, because they don't find any drugs in her system, they think that she probably was having like a manic psychotic episode, mm-hmm. which doesn't really explain how she got up to the roof, but it does explain why she would be in the water tank because when you're having a, psychotic episode like you do some crazy shit obviously that you can't really explain so they think that she had been under medicating or had just stopped taking her medication altogether according to her previous blog post she was saying that she felt much better it was the first time she had been um feeling this great in years and she had actually sent her set her blog up so that a queue would keep posting for her Hmm. while she was like away so she didn't it was like automatically doing it she didn't have to like manually right do it her phone was never found though Ooh, like it wasn't in the tank it wasn't in her hotel room they still don't know where it is that's interesting so her parents file a wrongful death suit 
because they also find out at this time that earlier, like I had said, she had been placed in a room with a couple other girls Mm -hmm. previous to this, but then gets moved to a room of her own because the girls that she was with were complaining about her erratic behavior. Mm -hmm. Like at one point she had locked them out of the room and wouldn't let them in without like a password, things like that. Yeah. So it sounds like she's having having a psychotic break. Yes. So the suit actually gets um dismissed but i think a couple other people sue the hotel because of the water issue yeah i would have absolutely are you kidding me that's disgusting which i I mean that's not their fault but like if i consumed somebody's decomposing body Uh, somebody's getting sued sorry i hate to break it to you i mean sorry not sorry Uh, it's just interesting because i just don't in the elevator, like, it looks like she's going down mm-hmm. instead of up. And there's no elevator that takes her to the roof. Mm-hmm. It, it just, I don't know. It's, like, weird because she only presses, like, the middle row of buttons and then she holds, she presses, like, the whole door button. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the elevator game theory? No. What's that? Okay. So why don't you finish and then I'll tell you the elevator game theory. Okay, so basically, they, she gets put to rest. Her parents don't win anything in this lawsuit. I think uh, the people who had accidentally drank or showered in some of the water like only got like a couple thousand dollars because obviously the Cecil Hotel isn't made of freaking money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty interesting documentary. You guys should definitely watch it. Yeah. And there's a couple like dramatizations of her or like um, portrayals in like modern media. I think the fifth season of American Horror Story was inspired by Mm -hmm. her death um, as well as the movie Dark Water. Ooh, I've never seen that actually. Oh, it's freaking scary. (laughs) Um, And that is the story of Elisa Lamb. So what do you think happened? I think she probably had a psychotic break Mm -hmm. and i think either she she accidentally got up there by herself and like somehow locked herself into the water cistern or somebody took advantage of her and led her up there Mm -hmm. and like told her to get in there or like convinced her it was a good idea or something like that because wasn't like, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the water tank, like, wasn't the lid, like, incredibly heavy? Like, it wasn't something you yes. could just lift easily on your There own. was, I, that's why I think, I think when you're having a psychotic break, it's kind of like, you know when, when moms can, like, lift cars to, like, oh, save yeah, their babies? you get babies. this, like, rush of adrenaline. Yes. Like, I think it was probably something like that if she was by herself. Okay. Or it was somebody who was, like maybe on drugs and like helped her so i kind of think it's a mix of both so i definitely think she had like a psychotic break especially if she's not taking her medication if those other tenants were like complaining of her behavior like all over and it's also like i hate to say this but it's like the most obvious answer is usually the answer right yeah um but i think like the way that she is in that video it like to me it looks like she's flirting with somebody so maybe she 
I don't know, met like another guest or something and is like, is flirting, but maybe they get like annoyed because she's acting like they're into it, but then they get like annoyed by it and it just goes on and on. And then she makes her way to the roof. Um, And that's why I think maybe there's footage missing from the thing because maybe that other person is in the footage, but because they've been cleared, the police don't want to release it. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think it's like as much as I want to believe there's some like paranormal weirdness going on. I think it was just a girl who stopped taking her meds, yeah. unfortunately. But there's another story. Um, I didn't write down her name about the girl who they found in that freezer in Chicago mm-hmm. and they don't know how she got in there. Oh God, what's her name? I can't remember, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And they have no idea how she got in there or like who let her in. Yeah. I think it's probably something similar to that too. Where like, yeah. but if you want something paranormal, I have a paranormal theory for you. I do love paranormal theories. So I heard this on the podcast, and that's why we drink. And I think it came from Reddit, but I just Googled it, and this is from Pop Sugar. It's the first thing that popped up. So I'm going to just read you verbatim what Pop Sugar says. Um, okay. So basically, it just talks about the background of it. But, anyways, if you've looked around, The conspiracy theory and urban legend niches of YouTube and Reddit, there's a chance you've come across the elevator game, which supposedly originates from Korea, although some say it may be different. The general idea behind the spooky routine is that you can enter a new dimension if you press on elevator buttons in a specific order. To play, you need to be in a building with at least 10 floors and an elevator. You also have to play alone, and the game will will only work if there's nobody around to mess with the specific button order. The game's rules are convoluted, but here's a breakdown. And then they they um, credit a writer, Lucia Peters, from The Ghost in My Machine, a blog. Okay. Okay. Once you enter the first floor, you have to press the floor buttons in a certain order. 4, 2, 6, 2, 10, 5. When you reach the fifth floor, you might meet a mysterious woman. Don't look at her or speak to her because she's reportedly not human and could take you away. Then, press the button for the first floor. If the elevator goes up to the 10th floor, the ritual worked. When you enter the other dimension, it'll look like the building you're in, except you'll be all by yourself. At this point, your electronics might not work, and the lights may be completely off. To return to your your world, you'll need to press the same buttons that took you to this other dimension. Get off at the wrong time, and you may never see your dimension dimension again. Ah! Don't say that. That's scary. So, some watching her odd behavior in the elevator... video some were convinced that elisa lamb had played this game and summoned something supernatural okay i believe that (laughs) (laughs) hannah's like sold i do i like i fully believe in like i don't believe in ghosts but i believe in demons i mean i believe in like spirits and demons i I don't know about, not like, ghosts get, with, like, unfinished business, like, ghost Yeah, I was like, style, not but to I get religious, like, but... <laughs> I think there's, like, spirits, sure. I think, I think whatever is out there is evil. Okay. I don't think there's, like, friendly Casper ghosts. Because I think when people die and they have, like, quote-unquote unfinished business, like, I think they're watching 
but I don't think... They're waiting to attack. Yes. I think the things that you think are like your grandparent or whatever hugging you in your sleep, I I think it's evil. So you don't think, I think there's like... It's... Go ahead. I think it's like doing things like that to get you to invite it in. I think that's one of the... Um, you know, like the real life couple from The Conjuring? Yes. I think that's one of their stories is like... Yes, that's honest to God because number one, the fucking Lazarus, how not to get religious, but like, like God was story? like... Yes, yeah. like you can't go back, dude. Sorry. Yeah. But also because of like the Warrens, like yeah, after I Warren. watched... After I watched The Conjuring, like I did a bunch of research on them and like it makes sense to me. Like yeah. I don't think there's like friendly... I think I think demons do friendly things to get you to like invite you invite them into your life. Yeah. TLDR on the Warrens. Basically, there was a case where this like family or this couple or something, they noticed all this supernatural activity and they did a séance, which you should never do. Yeah, and no. they or they got a Ouija board or something. I don't know. And they yeah. were talking to the spirit and the spirit was like, I'm a little girl that used to live in this house and I just want to stay here. Like I'm lonely. And so they said, okay, you can stay. And so because of that, the demon, which was actually like an evil monster demon, like not a little girl that was like being playful, like was allowed to enter the house and like continue torturing them. Yes. That's why I, I, feel, I don't think there's like friendly. So do you believe in like guardian angels? I don't know. I don't know because I also believe that everything that is going to happen like has already like it's it's going to happen. It's already like been You written. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Like I don't think that like I think you can kind of change certain things, but I think that like whatever is meant to happen to you is just going to happen to you. Yeah. So, I don't know if I necessarily believe in guardian angels. I think there are like weird coincidences and i think that like whatever your religion is like your god is probably looking out for you hopefully (laughs) good looking out jesus but (laughs) i have a friend that actually became christian like at like through because basically he was like convinced about like demons about like some sort of possession and so he called on a catholic priest to help him get rid of this demon like i don't think he was possessed but i think he just had to experience some supernatural behavior and so he was like if holy water and prayer and the power of god works to get rid of this demon like how can you not believe in the realness of god and like that's what like convinced him to become christian he's not catholic but Uh, he is christian so i was like oh i mean whatever floats your boat dude I mean, Catholicism's another perfect example, though. Like, I'm not Catholic either, but, like, only the Catholic Church can perform exorcisms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, only, like, whatever, the Pope or whatever can do it, or how, I don't know I think know it's any Catholic works, priest. But, like, but I think that was, like, my friend's, lo- I don't want to say his name, because I don't know if he'd, like, really want his story out there, but I think that was, like, his friend's logic, is, like, if it's only the power of God that can do this, then God's got to be real. And I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, I don't personally believe that, but... Go for it, you dude. Like, Do you believe in ghosts? Not necessarily ghosts. I mean, I believe in spirits and I believe in demons. But... I don't know. Like, haunted hotels and stuff, I have a hard time believing. Like, I'm willing to admit that I can't explain a lot of it. 
but I don't know if yeah. I'm willing to admit that I believe it. I think it's evil. Yeah. My stepmom firmly believes that she has seen many of ghosts in her life. And she's like, if you are a, in tune with it, then you see it more than you think. And like, I actually had an ex-boyfriend who truly believes that he was haunted for a long time when he was a child. And it like freaked me out. I was like, I don't want to be around this. Ah! No, that shit scares the fuck out of me. I'm I'm, so It's one of those like, I don't believe it, but I'm not willing to like test it. Yeah, because if it is true, like... It's like, I'm not inviting it to be like, tested. I've, Do not I've bring never, a Ouija board in my house, ever. You will ever. get turned right around. Do Literally not. ever. I had a friend in middle school who, like, always wanted to play with one, and, like, it... Big no. Scared... It scared... It still, to this day, like, scares the fuck out of me. Big like, I no. will never, ever, ever fuck with a Ouija board. I will admit that I played Bloody Mary a couple times when I was like a little kid, I but think like I that too. And I don't but like even that like the thought of that scares me. I don't like um <laughs> stuff that looks like Ouija boards either. Like yes, bags no. or whatever that are in the Ouija board like, print. Like whenever they make like earrings or stuff yeah, like no. not into that. Um at my apartment in Brooklyn, somebody drew a is it the is it a pentagram? What's the like satanic circle thing? Those, the pentagram. The pentagram. Somebody like spray painted one on a roof. And I like would walk around it every time, and it could, it very well could have just been somebody was like being a dick and thought that it was funny. Probably some teenage assholes. Yeah, but, but honestly, like, it's still scary. That. Like I'm not walking through that thing. Mm-mm. I would just walk no. right around that circle. I, and here's the thing: is like I don't even believe. Like I think the Church of Satan is not even necessarily evil the church of satan does not worship satan the church of satan is just a kitschy name to say like freedom of religion okay yeah like as a christian i'm not like denouncing the church of satan like satanism sure satan himself absolutely but like the church of satan is just like a name a tongue-in-cheek name for an organization that calls for religious basically just do whatever you want Yeah. yeah but that shit scares the fuck out like i'm not gonna join it I'm not going to say I'm no a way. member of the Church of Satan. I can, I'm all about religious freedom. If you if you want to be a member of the Church of Satan, go for it. But don't bring me a please t-shirt. Don't bring a Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a t-shirt. <laughs> we were um, when I was in Savannah over the holidays for Christmas. Um, there's like a giant Christmas tree that they put up in the middle of town, and they put like the little snowflake lights and everything. Yeah. And I was telling one of my friends, I was like, listen. I'm all for separation of church and state. I think that that's great. We're founded on religious freedom, all about it. But I absolutely love public town Christmas decorations. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> I was like, I get that it's like, God bless us all. <laughs> I get it's insensitive. If anybody has a complaint, they're fully within their rights. But like, I love it. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. God bless them, everyone. Uh, but like, I also don't want to go to places to like, ghost adventure no i don't really like i don't want to do that i don't want to do like i don't like i don't like haunted tours and stuff no thank you well i'm interested in like the story of what happens there but i don't i don't go on a haunted tour so that i can get like spooked i just want to even hang out in cemeteries dude i'm like so afraid of that shit oh yeah, I'm not that bad. Well, I mean, I've never really been asked to hang out in a cemetery, but like I would. I live next to one and like I like <laughs> I walk peaches around it every day. It scares the fuck out of me. It's like the oldest cemetery. Do you hold your breath when you walk past it? 
No, it's like six blocks, dude. I'm fucking <laughs> <suffocating. That's laughs> um, but I like will walk on like the very edge of the sidewalk. Like I get so freaked out. There was in our old neighborhood in Raleigh. We lived in Oakwood, if anybody's familiar with it. And it has like this really old historic cemetery. And it's like, listen, Oakwood is a rich neighborhood. And the cemetery is where rich people go to die. So it's really well kept. Okay. And yeah. Robbie said jog through it. Because it was, like, the closest thing we had to a park in the neighborhood. And it was, like, really well maintained. And, like, the roads were nice and even. And they didn't have, like, lifted or broken sidewalks. So that's, like, where he would go jogging. No. No. Yeah. No. No. No, no, no. Okay. You ready to switch <laughs> topics? Yes. Okay. Please. <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> so I also have a haunted hotel story. And it's actually okay. interesting that you mentioned um, inspiration for American Horror Story because mine is also inspiration for that same season, which I think was called like Murder Hotel or something. I honestly stopped watching after Coven. I quit watching. Actually, I don't think I watched. Well, I may have watched Coven. I've Coven seen parts sucked. of it. You didn't miss anything. I watched all of Roanoke because I kept waiting for it to get good. And then I was like, well, I just need to watch the, the last episode. Everything will tie together and this will be, all be worth it. And I was so Wait. pissed. Is Roanoke the one where they're renting the house and it's like two stories, like a reality TV show? Yeah. Okay. I, so I watched, I watched, uh, the very first season, which is murder house. Yeah. Right? And it was the best. And then that, oh yeah, for sure. And then I watched asylum, which I also thought was really good. Mm-hmm. I watched coven. I hated it. And then an ex-boyfriend, I think like two boyfriends ago was like, you have to watch Roanoke. And I was like, all right, like, I'll watch it with you. And I kept waiting for it to get good. It was horrible. Yeah, I got, like, I watched the final episode, and I was like, I'm pissed. Like, none of that came together. And actually, they did Apocalypse, and I watched, like, the first episode of that one. But I wasn't really super into it. Um, I I like Ryan Murphy, though. I think he's a great... I think he's great. Like, he's very creative, but I think it was so successful in the beginning because of all the shock value of it. And I think that shock value sort of wore off. And actually, when he did, um, he did that nurse show with, uh, like, Nurse Nurse Ratched. Ratched. I I didn't watch it. Hated it. It was, I did not like it. And I was. I didn't watch it because I heard it was horrible. Yeah. And it had all the, like, OGs. It had Miranda Hobbs in it. And I was just like, no. Oh, man. So, we'll see. He's coming out. There's a new one that's coming out, but I don't remember what it, the theme is, but. All right, so anyways, um, so my story today is on one of America's first serial killers and his infamous murder castle. This is the story of H.H. Holmes. Ooh. Have you read that book, Devil in the White City? Okay, no, but I talk about this. So I, I'll just say it now, I guess. So I have like this little book club with some college friends and like we all pick a book at the beginning of the year and then we buy the books and then we go through and we read them and one of my friends picked that book and I had no idea what it was about so it's like coming yeah. up next but now that I just did the story I think I might just go ahead and read it like I didn't realize what I, it was about it's good I definitely recommend Ooh, it okay um okay so a little background so H.H. H. Holmes was born May 16th 1861 so we're a little old school on this one to a family of devout Methodists and he was named Herman Webster Mudgett at birth. So I don't blame him name. for changing that. 
Yeah. Um, his family was a farmer who would pick up different trades and paint jobs as needed. Um, and he was the third out of four kids, which actually doesn't really seem like a lot for the 1860s. So kudos to those parents. Or maybe they yeah. just had an unhappy marriage. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people had sex for fun back in those days. It was like days. purely maintenance. <laughs> so in the documentary, H.H. H. Holmes' Original Evil, which is on Hulu, and it used to be on Netflix, but I found it on Hulu. The documentarist okay. discusses FBI profiling, which we're all pretty familiar with now, which is where they sort of profile killers and they're like okay so this is probably like a dude in this age range and he probably has like some psychological trauma from his mother or whatever um so they have since reversed profiled hh holmes and they look for signs of like all the obvious potential serial killer signs like parental abuse torturing animals head trauma whatever and they like came up with nothing this man just went mad on his own oh no so, at 17, he marries his first wife. They have a kid. Uh, in 1882, after a few different attempts at schools and other jobs, he enrolls at the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. And while there, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor William James Herdman, where the two allegedly helped rob graves to supply medical cadavers for cash. He also... Okay. Apprenticed under a man named Nahum White, who uh, or Nahum, I don't know White, who was a notable advocate for human dissection. Um, and Holmes later admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies. Um, so that's going to be like a big theme that we find here. Like, yeah, H. H. Holmes is a serial killer, but ultimately he's just like an insurance fraudster who will murder yeah. if necessary. So we'll talk about that okay. Um, So there were reports that Holmes abused his, for- his first wife, and then shortly before graduation, she moved home to her parents and left him. And he moved to Moore's Fork, New York, where he was seen multiple times with a young boy. And I mean like a literal like child, not like a 16-year-old. But then suddenly the boy just like wasn't there anymore. And somebody asked him what happened. He said the boy moved back home to Massachusetts, and then that week, Holmes packed up and left town and, like, never gave any explanation. Okay. So, at some point after graduation, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, or H.H. Holmes, and he moves to Chicago and gets a job working at a pharmacy. And when the owner of this pharmacy passes away, he convinces the widow to let him buy the drugstore from her. And then shortly after, Holmes tells people that the widow decided to move to California because she was never seen from again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so then, in the late 1880s, Holmes purchased an empty plot of land across the street from the drugstore, and he began constructing a three-story tall hotel. It was so large at the time that the neighborhood began dubbing it the castle. Okay. So it was going to have like storefronts on the first floor and then the top two floors were going to be like apartments or hotels. And I think it's sort of similar to what you were talking about with the Cecil Hotel in which they did like a lot of long-term tenants. Because I think that was very common, like to have a boarding house yeah. slash hotel, um, which is actually that a dream. you pay like a weekly rate. Yeah. And that's actually a dream of mine. I've always wanted to own a boarding house, but they don't really have them anymore. Um. So during the construction of the hotel, Holmes hired and fired multiple contractors and crews, which ended or which resulted in knowing 
no one ever really having like a clear idea of the layout of the hotel. So he'd hire okay. a contractor and then ask for like a set of rooms to be built and then he would fire them and hire another one and then ask for something like completely contradictory. So it's like a maze. Yeah. So some of the creepy hotel structures you ask, let me tell you. Um, random soundproof rooms, non-regulation gas lines that would leak into rooms, stairways that led to nowhere, doors that opened to brick walls, trap doors, peephole, laundry, in quotation, chutes that led to the basement. Um, and speaking of the basement, a personal lab with a dissecting table, stretching rack, and crematory all housed in the basement. It's like Sweeney Todd. Literally, I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, so after construction finished in 1891, Holmes placed several ads in the paper or for like one ads and included housing. So it was basically like, hey, I need a maid and you can have like room and board here. Yeah. So all of, empl- all of his employees were required to have life insurance policies, which of <laughs> course he would be listed as the beneficiary on. And he would also pay the premium as their employer. That was like part of their wages. So of course, many of these employees and guests would just disappear. And people in the neighborhood, like it was kind of known, like they would talk about how many women entered the castle, but none ever came out. Okay. So Holmes M.O. to murder his victims, um, he would either gas them in the rooms or he would murder them kind of cruelly in their soundproof rooms, especially since they can't run away with stairways leading nowhere. Then he would send the bodies down the laundry chute, he would dissect them, and then he would send the remains to medical schools, or he would cremate them in the basement. Well, that's the other thing, though, is, like, back in those times, like, medical schools did do a lot of, like, grave robbing Mm -hmm. because they couldn't get cadavers. Yeah, there wasn't, like, a way to say, I want to donate my body to science or something. Yeah. So So they would literally just, like, have a deal with, like, the... The grave diggers and stuff. Yeah. Um, Eric, what's the, what's the person? Undertaker. That, who is it that like watches the graveyards? You know, there's like somebody, you know how there's like janitors that, and stuff at schools. There's like somebody that like takes care of graveyards. Uh, well, the undertaker buries people. Oh, you know what? I bet it's in this, your guy did not getting murdered in a quaint English village book. Um, I'll look it up. <laughs> So, oh, and so along with suffocation, Holmes would also reportedly poison wealthy women to take their money. And at one point, <clears throat> he boiled a man alive in a vat of oil. <gasps> oh, no. That's going to be an awful way to go. Oil? Yeah. Which sticks. Oh. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, God, it burns. Um, so then in 1893, the World's Fair, which apparently was like a huge deal at the time, I don't even know if they still have it actually, um, was held in Chicago. And so millions of people came through Chicago for like a couple months, like needing a place to stay. Um, so they needed a place to stay and they were also travelers that wouldn't be noticed that were gone for quite some time. And they don't have like social media, things like that to keep track of people. Yeah. Um, so in ye old days, listen, <laughs> it's a buffet basically for Holmes. Like he's not a cannibal, but that's oh, what happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then after the world affair, Chicago's local economy kind of tanked actually. And so he abandoned the hotel. And since nobody was really traveling, he decided to travel 
around the U.S. committing insurance scams and random murders along the way. So at one point, he stole a bunch of horses from Texas and shipped them to St. Louis and made a fortune in the sale, but he was actually caught and arrested. So then he was in jail with a cellmate, Marion Hedgepeth, and he comes up with this new scheme. He agrees to take a life insurance policy out for $10,000 on himself, which is $350,000 today. I was say, that sounds like a lot of money. Yeah. He was going to fake his own death and then pay Hedgepeth $500 or 18 grand today to hire a lawyer just in case there were like any problems. So Holmes actually made good on this deal, but the insurance company wouldn't buy it. So they never paid him out. Oh. So then Holmes went to Philadelphia with his former accomplice, Benjamin Peitzel, to try again. Except this time he actually murdered Peitzel and took the money for himself. So he actually made it happen. So okay. then his former cellmate Hedgepath was feeling a little pissed off and scorned. So he ratted him out to the police. Um, police caught up with Holmes in Boston where he had an outstanding warrant and was preparing to flee the country. And at this, oh, and he was remarried to, I think like his third wife at the time. And she had no, she was like, what are you talking about? Like he had given her a completely, not like a false identity, but an entirely fake backstory as to who he was as a person. Yeah. So, at this point, the police decided to launch a full investigation into Holmes, including his former successful business, which is a hotel in Chicago. They were able to recover a bunch of bodies still at the hotel, many that were so badly dismembered or decomposed that they couldn't even tell how many there really were. They also found the remains of Peitzel's three children. So, the man he murdered, Uh. he took... Three out of five of his children, like, basically convinced Peitzel's wife to let the children travel with him. Give me your kids. To let the children travel with him to take them to their father, who couldn't come home due to the, like, work that they were doing, and basically held them hostage. The two girls were buried in a cellar in Toronto, which the coroner believes that Holmes locked them in a trunk and then filled it with gas from a lamp valve. Oh. And then the third child was found in a cottage in Indianapolis that Holmes once rent- rented with their remains burned. Burning is like the worst way to go, in my opinion. It can't be yeah, quick. Because suffocation, I feel like, would be quicker. Or like drowning. But like burning or boiling oh, alive. Drowning would... I mean, drowning would be terrible, but you would die pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it feels like an eternity when it's happening, but you die within, like, a couple minutes. But, like, burning to death? Yeah. I would rather freeze to death. I was literally about to say, don't you just go to sleep? Yeah, because you eventually become so numb that, like... Yeah, they always say don't ever go to sleep because then you won't wake up. Because your body temperature lowers when you're sleeping. It tries to, like, make you hibernate, essentially. Yeah. Um... Okay, so Holmes, in his defense, actually tried to argue that he was just an insurance scammer and that these people happened to die from, like, XYZ reason. And so then he okay. dis- dismembered their bodies to sell to medical schools and then collected the life insurance. But eventually, he confessed to 28 murders, but it's estimated that he was really responsible for nearly 200 um, Holy shit. But it's one of those, like, is that true or is it just sensationalized? Because it's an old story. But 
Uh, I'm going to go with it's true, because why not? I, I would say it's probably true. Yeah. So Holmes confessed, and this is the inspiration for that book title, The Devil in the White City. He says, I was born the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I'm, that I'm a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. He was found guilty for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel, and he was hanged May 7th, 1986 in Philadelphia. At his request, he was buried 10 feet below ground in a cement-filled coffin. Why? Because he was worried about grave robbers. <laughs> what a dick. But then, in 2017, amid allegations that Holmes had actually escaped his execution, Holmes's body was exhumed for testing. But due to his coffin being sealed in cement, his body hadn't de- decomposed normally. His clothes were almost perfectly preserved, and his mustache was intact. And he was so nice. intact that his teeth were able to be used to identify that as Holmes. And he was then reburied. The castle itself mysteriously burned down in 1895. And I say, like, Somebody mysteriously. Yeah, like, there's someone like, set that shit on fire. There's literally witnesses of two men running into the building and then running back out. And then there's a gas can that was found later. But mysteriously, because okay. nobody was ever caught. The remains were eventually torn down, and as of today, there now sits a U.S. Postal Office. And that... It's probably haunted as well. I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, that is the story of H.H. Holmes, and my sources were crimemuseum.org, smithsonianmag.com, history.com, allthatsinteresting.com, Wikipedia, and then the documentary H.H. Holmes' Original Evil, which is on Hulu right now, as I mentioned. I need to get a Hulu. I had it because um, when I was in college, I had the student Spotify and Hulu. Oh, you could probably qualify for that. You get like Spotify and Hulu premium. I don't pay for my Spotify though. Okay, but if you get both, it's like five ninety nine a month for Hulu and oh. Spotify premium. My my sister pays for a family plan for us. Oh, like we each take turns paying for something. So I pay for the Netflix. One of my sisters pays for the spotify family plan that makes sense yeah i got it as a deal but now that i'm not in college i think it's like 9.99 a month but i still get hulu and spotify but actually rob also has hulu and spotify and so we're currently in a battle of who's gonna have to give theirs up just get the family plan i don't want to give up my spotify account though why (laughs) this is gonna sound bad okay because I like my Spotify wraps at the end of the year, and if I have to give uh, that up, like, I'm going to be bummed. If you, but if you do the family plan, like, you still have all your info. Because oh, it's, like, your okay. personal account. It's just, un, it's like a phone bill, like, how it's, like, everyone has a different phone number. Oh, then I would be willing to do that. But you should wait till the end of the year, then. Yeah. Because Rob's like, because you're going to spend you're gonna lose everything. $120 a year just to have Spotify wrapped. And I'm like, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because, like... <laughs> My, it my thing, the only thing is you just have to be registered under the same address. So Spotify, if you're listening to this, no, you didn't hear yeah. that. But please sponsor us. Yeah. Please sponsor us and then I'll pay for my own Spotify. Give us a Spotify exclusive account. Uh, BarkBox and Spotify, please sponsor us. Somebody else. Old Navy. This Old Navy set I'm wearing is so comfy. Oh, I love Old Navy. These jeans are from Old Navy. Um, but wait till the end of the year and then you can get your own, you guys could do like a family plan and then you can each have your own thing. Yeah. It's just easier because then if, if you were to share like one account, 
you wouldn't have that. Yeah, like, because you do his the, like, multi-person Spotify thing. is he has like a sleep playlist that he listens to. So he is he always has the same artist. Oh. I, like I like to see how my music evolves. Mine doesn't Which evolve. It's includes the same shit all Taylor the time. Swift being the, th- the second most listened. One time, my most listened to was "The Naked and Famous," and I could name you like three songs by them. And I was like, "How is this my most listened to artist of the year?" Mine is always Frank Ocean. It's like I think Frank Ocean is like literally always my number one because I listen to the same fucking five songs. Over yeah. And over. It's like sad R and B music. Yeah. Which is so funny because I don't even listen to music that often. I only ever listen to like murder podcasts. One time mine was like Taylor Swift, Machine Gun Kelly, and then like some country music artist and like Tom Petty or something. And Rob was like, yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like such this wide range. Oh my God. Uh, well, that was freaking scary as hell. Hannah's going to sleep with her lights on. Um, I'm really glad I have a dog because animals are very susceptible to demons. But what would you do? Like, if Peaches started barking in the middle of the night, like, what would you do? Here's the thing. I don't think my apartment is haunted. (laughs) This apartment for sure is not haunted. I have lived in places where I definitely thought they were haunted, though. Like, I had a... The only boyfriend I've ever lived with, I lived with my ex. No, I lived with um, my last ex before I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived in a house together, and it was a really old house, and it had tile floors. And so when you walked in, you were, like, immediately in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then to the left was, like, we had the master bedroom because we were the only couple in the house. And then to the right was, like, the two other bedrooms and then the the other bathroom. Mm-hmm. So in the master room, like, you walk in and then to the right was the bathroom. So one day, everybody was gone. I was getting ready for work. Um, and... We didn't have, like, we had just moved into the house. I think we had only been there for, like, two weeks, maybe. So we didn't have any, like, rugs or anything. Like, it was just the tile floor. Mm-hmm. So I get out of the shower, and I'm, like, standing in the bedroom. Um, and I just had, like, a towel on because nobody was home. I'm getting ready for work. And I hear, like, footsteps across the tile. Like, you know how, like, when you're walking yeah, across the tile, like, your feet like kind of stick? Yeah. And I thought it was my ex-boyfriend. So I called out his name and I was like, oh, are you home? And like nobody answered. And I was like, okay, maybe I just like heard something. Because it, it was like the middle of the day. I was like, there's no fucking way. Ghosts don't attack in the middle of the day. Yeah. So I kept getting ready and then I heard it again, but it sounded like it was getting closer. So I literally just like grabbed all my shit and got ready in my car. No joke. Oh my gosh. That's terrifying. I like drove to work with like just my like work t-shirt on, like in my underwear because I was so scared. Mm. And, like, I, my boyfriend at the time, he worked at a bar um, down the street from the bar that I worked at. And yeah. I got off work before him. And I was like, I'm going to come hang out with you while I close because I'm scared to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, told him what happened. And he was like, it's just a new house. Like, because no one had lived in the house for a long time before we moved in. So he's like, it's just the house settling. Yes. And I was like, no, dude. No fucking way. And we had, like, this weird hole in our living room. Mm. That, like, led to, like, the crawl space. Yeah. 
We broke up shortly after, so I didn't have to live there for very long. (laughs) I don't blame you. I would have been terrified, too. Yeah, no. And then he stayed in that house for a long time, and I think, because we, like, were off and on for a little bit, and, like, one time when we got back together, he was like, yeah, I think there's something in the house, and I was like, well. I don't live there anymore. Yeah, you're like, I freaking told you. Yeah. You're the one that didn't want to listen. And then I moved to New York, and uh, he's married with children now. So. <laughs> I actually just saw my, like, boyfriend before Rob is apparently, like, about to have a baby. Like, I was on Instagram, and his mom... I guess I'm friends with his mom on Instagram. And um, she, like, posted a picture from, like, the baby shower. And I was like, hmm, okay. Oh, good for him. I only know he has kids because other people have told me he blocked me on Instagram. Aw. That's, like, <laughs> so petty, fire. I feel like. I feel like... No, because I block everybody. I'm like, you do me wrong one time. Really? I have one ex blocked on YouTube. That's like how much I don't want him to get. Oh my God. That's funny. I'm like, I'm petty. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I love the energy of being petty. I just, I don't personally have that energy. Like if you're truly like a toxic person like if or if you bring out something toxic in me if seeing your post brings out like a negative emotion in me then like i will either block you or i'll just hide your posts or whatever but for the most part yeah. i'm like i don't care dude especially like i've been with rob for six years now i was like you're married and well, it's just like whatever you did to me clearly it's over oh no like if i I block everybody on literally everything except Venmo <laughs> for this reason, because if you ever want to talk, and I tell every single ex-boyfriend this, if you ever want to talk to me ever again, you have to Venmo me $250. I love that. And, but if I block you on Venmo, it means like you're dead to yeah, me. Yeah. Like, don't bother. <laughs> don't come back. Yeah, I don't want your money. Yeah. That's funny. But I'm telling you, it's worked. I've gotten some money out of these. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. I have a $250 unblock fee. Oh. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. So basically, if nobody hears from this podcast for like a couple weeks, then y'all need to Venmo me $250 so that I can Venmo Hannah so that we can show up <laughs> my friend again. <laughs> or it's because we got eaten by freaking demons. Uh, you know, listen, I got God on my side, so I'm chilling. I don't think my apartment's haunted. I've been baptized, christened, and saved. So I'm pretty secure in my soul placement. I got baptized as a baby. But I'm a C&E Christian. We got... You, you're a cynic and Christian? Is that what you just said? No, a C&E, a Christmas and Easter. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said a sin-again Christian. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> that too. <laughs> we got... I, my family was Methodist, so we got, like, christened as babies because... Which I do kind of, I'm fine with like a christening because that's more of like a family's like dedication or whatever. Yeah. Because baptism is more of like a personal choice, which I'm down with. It's like your personal, like this is the choice that you've made for your life and you want to publicly declare that, which I kind of dig. But I mean, whatever. Teach their own. Damn. Well, should we end this on a positive note? What's one good thing? Um... No. <laughs> my good thing is i got jury duty i'm very excited to report back um, that's like ex- so when do you go uh i think it's august 30th or 31st i have to look at it. i know it's at the end so of it's the after day. your trip no, no no it's before when do you go on your trip i leave labor day 
Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Well, I, I technically leave the day before, but it starts on Labor right, Day. Right, right, right. Oh, well, that's still exciting. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, my mom's coming to visit, which is exciting. So Aww. now that means I actually have to unpack the last two boxes that have just been sitting in my room. And hang stuff on my walls. That'll be so fun. Yeah, I'm excited. What are you, are you guys going to do anything? Is she staying with you? Yeah, she is. So now we have a guest room. Okay. It's oh, her okay. and my aunt, her sister, who's like my favorite aunt ever. Um, okay. It's my aunt Cheryl. I'm named after her. And I'm very clearly Aww. her favorite niece also. Um, but yeah, so they actually really want to go see the Crawdads movie. And I read the book and I like the book. Ooh. I know the, the author is like very controversial um for like good reason i'm not knocking that a killer right <laughs> do what because her husband's a killer right i mean allegedly under suspicious allegedly. circumstances we should do that whatever or like her son <laughs> i don't actually remember but i'm not saying it's for not for good reason but i mean i read the book and i did enjoy it um and i think they really want to go see the movie so we have an alamo draft house here which if you don't have them Ooh. it's where you can go like buy food and drinks and you can get like a beer and a burger and like watch a movie so I think I'm going to take them there. That'll be fun. And we also have this state farmer's market is in Raleigh. And my mom is like, can we go? And I was like, do you want to go grocery shopping? And she's like, no, I just want to go see the farmer's market. Like, she just wants to go walk around it. Oh, that's so cute. I, I, thought, I was like, that's so wholesome. I love that. So we're going to do that. Farmer's markets are fun because you can get all kinds of cool treats. Yeah, I'm really excited. And ours has this little coffee shop that's ran by... Um, I don't know if it's owned and ran or if it just employs, but it's like people that have like, that are on the spectrum or have like down syndrome or something along those lines. Oh, um, nice. And it's like actually really good coffee. So I always think, you know, I like to support business of that. Yeah. Kind, so I'm excited. I will say I bought Starbucks the other day for like the first time in like, I don't even, I never ever buy Starbucks. If I'm going to buy like chain coffee, it's done. Absolutely. Donuts. But I bought Starbucks the other day because I really wanted um, their caramel macchiato. And it was the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. And I'm, like, not picky at all. Oh, that sucks. It was so burnt. Yeah. I, like, could barely drink it. And, like, I listen, I, like, am not – I drink fucking Folgers. Like, I'm not a picky person at all. It was horrific. I'm not a big – I do – because I really like iced coffee, and so Dunkin' yeah. is my favorite because they have the toasted almond syrup that they put in And it. it's so cheap. It's Dunkin much cheaper so than cheap. Starbucks, too, by, like, at least a dollar. But I do like the seasonal drinks that Starbucks puts out. Like, they have I a... I don't even think their seasonal drinks are that good. They have this chestnut praline latte, and I will freaking twerk for one of those. They are so good. <laughs> <laughs> or... Well, pumpkin spice comes back in, like, two weeks, right? That's true. Yeah. I'm not a huge pumpkin spice person. I mean, I will, like, get them, but... I'm not, like, obsessed with oh, them. I'm a basic girl. I'm a basic white girl. <laughs> I love peppermint. But I'm not a peppermint. Oh, no. I don't like peppermint mocha. Like, I don't like chocolate and peppermint. So I'll just get, like, a latte with peppermint in it. So it's just a peppermint latte. I do not like peppermint Oh, all. man. I love it. All the time. My chapstick is peppermint. Oh, no. I like peppermint tea. That's I it. I love peppermint tea. Um, peppermint candy usually comes, like candy cane ice cream comes out at Christmas, and I love it. Oh, God, no. No, that just made me nauseous. Mm, That's good stuff. Um, So cheers to basic holiday flavors. Yeah, it's almost PSL season. Also, just Um, to end on a controversial note, I think that maple is the superior fall flavor. 
But maple you can do all year round. I mean, yeah, but like you drink iced coffee year round. Yes, but what I guess what I'm saying is like maple you do year round, like when you have pancakes or waffles for breakfast. But like I don't just eat maple cookies or get a maple latte in june i don't think i've ever even had a maple latte they're delicious with some cinnamon on top Mm. (laughs) culinary perfection oh follow us on crime spree podcast (laughs) instagram and tiktok we are there tell us your favorite fun fall flavors tell us your theories on lisa lamb and hh home tell us your ghost stories i want to hear that i mean you can tell hannah your ghost stories I want to know. I'm scared, but I want to know. I don't want to know. I'm not, I'm not saying that I believe. I'm just saying I don't need to know. I want to know. I want to be scared. I'm already scared. Oh. I'm scared right now. Good luck to Oh, my God. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>